Church. You guys sounded great, and so did you. It was fun to hear you sing this morning. I uh, wanted to spend some time this morning talking about the budget, but Pastor Mike didn't think that was a very good idea, so we're going to talk about prayer instead. So, um, so it's all his call. You know, the word says uh, to be anxious for nothing but in all things through prayer and petition, let your request be made known to the Lord. And, um, and my observation when, when I'm in my small group time, or my observation when I'm in staff meetings, or my observations when I'm um, with family members is, is we talk a lot about prayer, and we actually don't pray as much as maybe we should. And, and, um, and I think that, candidly, that may be a reflection on, on our personal intersection in prayer life with God as well. And so I don't wish, uh, I, I, I desire that this morning would be encouraging and instructive and not scolding by any stretch of the imagination, but I want to appeal to us that we may in fact be able to tap more into what God would have for us if we got clear about uh, our prayer life. So with that uh, said, be anxious about this. You're not, don't be anxious about this. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to get in small groups and pray or anything like that. But uh, we are going to pray throughout this service two or three different times. We're going to take some time to, to pray. I will lead and you will agree in the spiritual realm. Here's what God's word says. He says, pray without ceasing. He says, cast all your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He says in Jeremiah 33, call to me and I'll answer you. He says in John 16, until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy, he wants us to be joy-filled, that your joy will be complete. He says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him and fully prayerful. He says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears him. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close. This will bless some of you immensely. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saved those who are crushed in spirit. He says, the prayers of the upright please the Lord. And the Lord hears the prayers of the righteous. And he will respond to the prayers of the destitute. He says, in your distress you called out and I rescued you. When you called, he says, David, David says in Psalm, when I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. Let, let's begin our time in prayer if we can. Let's just go to the Word, go to the Lord in, in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, you, your Word says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and will pray and will seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, then you will hear from heaven and you'll forgive our sins and you'll heal our land. So God, we pray that you would convict us of our sin, of our wicked ways. We come before you as a broken people. We confess the lusts of our eyes and the lusts of our flesh and the pride of life that so easily entangles us, Father. Your word says that you know you have plans for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a hope and a future if we will seek you and seek you with our whole hearts. We, we seek your forgiveness that we do not come to you wholeheartedly. God. Your word says to not fear, for you're with us. Your word says to not be dismayed, for you are our God, that you will strengthen us and you will uphold us with your righteous right hand. 
Lord, let us walk in that faith. Let us walk in that knowledge. Your word says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. God, we want to be in you. We want that that which we would ask would be perfectly aligned with that which is in your will. Father, your word says that you are our rock and you are our fortress and you are our deliverer. And in you we take refuge. So be our shield this morning. Thank you for being our salvation. Thank you for being our stronghold. We call upon your name. You are worthy of praise and glory and honor. And we give you thanks and commit this service to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would turn in your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we're going to read from verse 32 through the end of that chapter, which is verse 43. Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 43. An amazing thing had just happened. An unbelievable thing had just happened. Saul, the persecutor of Christians, the one who tormented Christians, who mocked Christians, ridiculed Christians, killed Christians, and was hunting them down, Saul had a road, had an experience on the road to Damascus. He met face to face with Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? At the beginning of this chapter, Saul is not a believer, and by the end of this chapter, Saul is in fact a follower of God, a follower of Jesus Christ, and wholeheartedly in his relationship. That story in and of itself is a pretty cool story. God did a miraculous thing. Is there anything in your life right now where there's a guy in your life, where there's an enemy in your life, where there's stuff in your life, and you say, that person will never become a believer. That issue is too big to overcome. That, that, will ne- that is not worth my prayer time. I want to encourage us that, in fact, God changed the chief persecutor of all Christians, Saul, into the chief ambassador. All of our lives were drastically changed because of him. Right? God does miracles. Do we have the courage to ask God to show up? Let's read in chapter uh, 9, verse 32. This is post the Saul experience, post the Paul experience. I'm going to read about Peter at this point. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints of Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Think about that, eight years bedridden. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Jesus Christ heals you. He believed it. He commanded. He said, go get it done. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About the same time, about that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees, and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes. Seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. 
This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. You know, sometimes we read that stuff and we don't just go, are you kidding me? Two people were dead and now they're alive? I got to get on the phone and I got to tell somebody about that. That is staggering. But we just kind of, and he called the widows together. And they, you know, I mean, we're just not paying attention. We are asleep. Miraculous things happen. I have a friend, had a friend, who had Lou Gehrig's disease. And, um, and he was in the latter stages of, of that disease. And uh, he's driving down the road or is riding down the road with his wife one day when he could not get breath. And, and so he was so desperate, he had his wife pull over to the side of the road so he could get out to get some, get some fresh air. And he fell out of the car. And it, it needed, an ambulance needed to come to take him to the hospital. And, and, uh, and when he arrived, uh, it was very clear medically that he had no, no chance of, of living. And, and that was the prognosis. And there was rushing of the small group to come together because you know, he, he was on a ventilator, but he was about to die. As soon as they took him off the ventilator, they said his life would come to an end. Chuck. Chuck carries his name. And uh, so uh, a number of us were in the waiting room and with his wife and consoling them. And, and um, I wasn't uh, on a church staff at that point, but I was just a, a normal Christian guy in a small group. And, uh, and I asked our pastor, I said, hey, you know, it says that we're supposed to maybe lay hands on this guy and, and anoint him with oil and ask for God to heal him. Should we do that? And the pastor said, yeah, he says, you know, medically, he says, this guy's going to die. It's just, he, that's the course that's going to happen. And I'm thinking to myself, well, God says that we ought to at least go try, you know. So, so me and a friend sneak into this guy's room, Chuck's room, and we anoint him with oil, and we pray, God, we don't know what your plans are, and we believe you either way, but if you'd heal Chuck... For a day, a week, a month, they say that the second you take him off the ventilator, he's going to die. Would you heal him? In Jesus' name, amen. So we sneak back out again. We didn't tell anybody about this. Well, Chuck lives for like 12 more days, right? I don't know. They took him off the ventilator, and I don't know whether he would have lived or not. He sure could have lived, you know, but I wonder if. And the, the cool thing is that the people came to Jesus. People came into Chuck's room to say goodbye to him. And he said, you need to hear what I need to tell you. you need, there was some reconciliation that occurred with some family members. There was some right relationship. So if you hear that I died, come and lay hands on me. Pray for me, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Two weeks ago, we were on vacation in a beautiful spot, and it could not have been a, a paradise on earth. It really was. And the uh, first couple of days of that vacation were just fantastic. And, and then something happened, and I don't know why this is, but I just, I became unlovely. I just was not kind in my words or my actions or my demeanor. I had expectations that weren't going to be met, and I was angry and just, just not right. And that lasted, I'm sorry to say, for a couple of days. In a beautiful place, sun is shining, no reason, none whatsoever. Everything was going fine at work. And yet, I, is that a little weird that that, that would happen? Have you ever had that experience where, where, you sh- where it shouldn't happen? Is it a little weird to you that periodically on a special day, an anniversary day, a special holiday, that there's just this, this electrocution that occurs somehow in your family and there's just this, this weirdness that happens where, you know, God's Word says that Satan comes only 
The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes to give life and give it abundantly, right? So is it a little weird, is it a little bit weird that men, when you walk across the threshold of your home, you've been a good guy all day, you've been optimistic, you've been positive, and you walk across the threshold of your home and your demeanor just instantly changes. Isn't that a little weird? Isn't it a little odd that uh, it's uniquely tension-filled on our way to church some Sunday mornings? (laughs) Going to worship God. (laughs) We're going to have a good time, right? (laughs) Isn't that? There's this spiritual warfare that is out there that is coming against us regularly. It seems like, if you read Scripture, that, that, uh, that, uh, that at some point... God cast Satan out of the heavenlies, and with that casting out, uh, a third of the angels were with him. And so that third of the angels are warring against us all the time, causing us to think bad things, do bad things, and, and, and yet we rarely call on the good guys, God's angels, call on God himself. We just, we don't pray. You know what happened on vacation? Finally, I realized that, man, I had not been praying. I had not been in the discipline that I had normally been in. Usually I'd get up and have a a quiet time and pray. I had lost that discipline, and immediately I get cut at the knees. God says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive your sins and purify and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I just said to Christy, I said, I am, I seek your forgiveness. I have, I have. Uh, I've, I've just played into a game here. I, seek, I, I, I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask for your forgiveness. Would you, would you make new that which is not new? And you know what? He did. We're under constant attack. And I think we're under constant attack for four reasons that I'll just pop through real quick. Number one, I think we have a lukewarmness about our intentionality about being, a, being in prayer. You know, we just, I, I will pray. I'll, if I can find time, I'll get around to, I, I, I will... I just don't have the time, or I pray in the car, but we don't intentionally. Pastor Mike says 10 and 10, 10 minutes in the Word, 10 minutes in prayer, but we don't intentionally say, I'm going to tap into the King of the universe. I don't think our priorities are always, I'll just speak for myself, I can't speak for you. I don't think my priorities are always, I choose other things. I choose email, I choose the Olympics. I choose texting. I, choo- I choose a lot of things prior to prayer. I've kind of learned to live without prayer. When I get a headache, I take a Tylenol. I don't pray. Lose my job, I call my friends. I don't pray. Should I call my friends? Yeah. Should I take a Tylenol? I think so, you know. But but do I do I first when there's when in the middle of the night when I can't sleep, do I do I do I ask God? My wife can't sleep, do I pray for her? Sometimes I wonder if I get discouraged because I don't see the answers to prayer as often as I would want. Sometimes I pray for some people and I haven't seen the the fruit of that prayer yet and so I think does God subliminally I wonder if God does God hear me? You know? This is what he says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Here's what we know for certain. God desires that men be saved. God desires that we live holy lives. God desires that the Holy Spirit fills and rules and reigns in our life. God desires that we would be unified with one another. So if there's a lack of harmony, a lack of unity in the body, in the family, is that God's will? No, absolutely not. Is there sometimes some healthy tension? Yeah, I believe so. Parents with kids, there could be some healthy tension because parents know things that kids don't know, right? So, so there can be that kind of healthy tension. Um, uh, we're to do all things in the name of the Lord, and there should be love as the cornerstone for all that we do. Here's what God's Word says in Hebrews 4. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, God, prayer, God, God really wants us to cultivate a relationship with him, right? Think about this for a second. You look around these banners here, and you look at uh, the names of who God calls himself. He, he calls himself the Lord of the earth. He calls himself the strong one. He calls himself the shepherd and the provider and the banner. He goes before us. He calls himself the almighty one and the sanctifier. He is righteous. He is the most high God. He's the healer. He's ever-present. He's the mighty God, the living God, the God of truth, the God of salvation, the God of heaven. He is our refuge. He is our avenger. We need not avenge for ourselves. He's the God who forgives. He's the everlasting God. He's our helper, our rock, our redeemer, our defense, and he is our, he's our judge. This is what he says about himself. He is all things. And this is what he says about us as his children. We are his friends, and we are justified, and we've been bought with a price, and we are saints, and we've been adopted, and we're redeemed, and we're complete, and we're free forever from condemnation. Do you live in condemnation? Do you live someplace that is less than what God would have for us? God says about his children, we cannot be separated from him or from his love. We are established, we're anointed, we're sealed, we're citizens of heaven, born of God. We're chosen to bear fruit. He says we are his workmanship. When he could do no better, the Greek translates that. We are his poema, his masterpiece. When he could do no better, he created us. The God, all-powerful, all-knowing, and us in pretty good stead. This is what he says to us in Matthew 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds, and him to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? You know, we've got three kids, Jonathan, Joel, and Hannah. I love them. I love them individually. I love them collectively, and I would do anything to bless them. 
They can figure stuff out on their own. I'm confident of that. They can do stuff on their own, or they can tap into my experience. They can tap into my resource base. They can tap into the relationships that I can help them. I can help them with work. I can help them figure out their giftedness. Is there a picture of them up there? There was? Okay, good. Uh, It doesn't need to stay up. Uh, (laughs) Nothing delights me more than when they want to be in relationship with me. Nothing delights me more, Jonathan's on the left, nothing delights me more than when I caught him in sin and I confronted him and brokenhearted, he said, that is me. Nothing delights me more than when Jonathan was 13 and he wanted to begin to date a girl. I said, Jonathan, that's not a good idea. You know, you're 13, where's this thing going to go? And for five years, he held off. Nothing delights me more. He loved that girl during all those five years. He started dating her when he was 18. They got married six weeks ago. How about that? Nothing delights me more than my son Joel, who, who sent me a letter this spring, and he said, you know, I just want to know more about you. I want to know about your struggles. I want to know about your day-to-day things that I can pray for you. He wanted to be in relationship with me more than I was allowing access. Nothing delights me more than the friends that Hannah has chosen. Nothing delights me more than her coming home from a class, uh, a philosophy class this spring, and they were talking about the nature of man, and she says, yeah, I told my professor that a real man rejects passivity and accepts responsibility and leads courageously. And the professor said, what? He says, oh yeah, a real man rejects passivity and accepts responsibility and leads courageously. And, and the professor said, well, well, where'd you get that? My dad. God wants to be in relationship with us, right? And we have much that we can give, gain from being in relationship with, with God. But... I know these things as well. Sometimes I need to say no to my kids. Sometimes I need to say not right now. Sometimes I just am silent because I see that they have a need for some character development. Always, always, always I have their best interest in mind. Always. Right? How much more the love of God than a human father that he has our best interest in mind. God's word says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, but God is prepared for those who love him. Do we love God enough? Do we believe in God enough that we're going to intercede? I want to take a few minutes right now. I just want to intercede for our kids. I want to intercede for, not my kids, for your kids, for your grandkids. Some of them are two. Some of them are twelve. Some of them are 22, 32, and 42. Some of them you have great relationships with. Some of them are just really quite dysfunctional. Some of them, they're they're just just really discouraging for any number of reasons. I want to pray scripture. I'm going to pray for about 90 seconds, maybe just a little bit longer than that. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. You just pray. I'll pray out loud. You pray. You intercede for those children those grandchildren God puts on your heart. Does that make sense? Okay, let's pray. 
some of the things that I pray will, will resonate and some won't. Lord, in Jesus' name, we come before you, God, and uh, we pray for the salvation of all of the children and grandchildren represented in this room. We pray that they might grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that their lives might be marked by a life of love. Jesus says, you loved and gave up your life. Let their lives be marked by love. Let honesty and integrity and uprightness protect them, Father. Let them live a life of self-control. God, give those that are represented in this room a love for your word, a hunger for your word. God, help us in our unbelief when we don't think it can happen. God, help us when we are lethargic about interceding or praying for our our loved ones. God, your word says to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly. Give our children justice in the fiber of their being. Let mercy be close to them. Give them a picture of their life as you have stated it, God, that we are your workmanship. We are your finest. Father, we pray for faithfulness that it would never leave our children, that courage would be the hallmark of who that they are, that they are not afraid or terrified because they walk with you. Create in them pure hearts, O God. Let kindness and generosity and peace-loving and joy be representative in their lives. We pray for a perseverant spirit, Father, that they would throw off everything that hinders them and the sin that so easily entangles them. Might they not be caught in the foolishness of youth. Might they recognize that their 20s and 30s will fleet away. Father, for your grace in their lives, would you give them humility and compassion? Might they be clothed with kindness and gentleness? Might they be responsible Might they recognize that that being content in you, recognizing that all things can happen through you, Jesus, increase their faith. Give them opportunities to step in faith that you could show yourself faithful to them. Pray for their future spouses or their spouses that they're in relationship with God. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Give them a servant's heart. Give them hope and a willingness, Father, to, to want to be Um, men and women of God. Give them a passion for you, that their souls would cling to you. Give them a self-disciplined spirit that they would um, be men and women who would chase after you hard, God. Give them a spirit of prayerfulness. Teach them to pray. Give them a gratitude in their hearts and minds. Give them relationship with those who who love them, Father. Give them anointed conversations. Give them a heart for the things that you would have, Father. Bless them, bless them, bless them, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm mindful that uh, in a room this size, in a gathering this size, that there's all sorts of representations. There's financial hardship, there's emotional hardship, there's relationship hardship, there, there's fatigue at, at all sorts of different stages with children, with spouses, with kids. There's psychological hardship. There's abuses that uh, are represented in this room. 
And so there's an overwhelmness even in your own lives. An overwhelmness that would, would say like the psalmist says in Psalm 13, How long, O Lord? How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts every day and have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. You may be there. You may be saying, how long, God? I, I, I have tried. We, we have tried. We, I, I cannot believe where we are at. How long, O oh Lord? Not publicly right now, but just in your own kind of mind, in your quiet mind. Just raise your hand with God on that, whatever that issue or issues are for you. Just, just raise your hand. And not, don't physically raise your hand. Just, just say, God, here's, here's my how long. For some of us, there's some sin that needs to be confessed. We've just been disobedient or defiant. God's word says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are burdens you carry. There's bondage that enslaves you. You know, I'm just going to pop through a list. Something, I suspect, in many of your lives is true. You, you are just overactive. You're just busy, 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 busy. There's a substance abuse issue in your life. Alcohol, drugs, prescriptive medicines. You have a bitterness or a resentment or an unforgiveness that you just, at the core of your being, you know it. There could be some cultural idolatry. There, there could be, I, I drive this such and such. I do this because it, it satisfies my need. You may be afraid of death or dying. There may be depression or divorce. Divorce that you are so ashamed of because it happened and God's saying, be free. Divorce that you're thinking it needs to happen because there's just no other choice. God's saying, trust me. Work. I'm not saying that Everybody needs to stay all the time. There may be circumstances, but you may, you may just have some, some, some arrogance about your spirit that needs to be addressed. And I can point that out to you if you want. I'm just joking. <laughs> there may be eating disorders. There may be family relationship orders, uh, re relationship um, issues. You may have fears that nobody even knows about. There may be financial chaos. There may not be financial chaos because you got cash flow, but there's, there's some financial issues. You, you hide, spend. You spend and you don't tell anybody. You eat and you don't tell anybody. There may be generational curses that have been afflicted on you that you need to be generation one and you need to break that, 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 that generational sin of anger. You need to be the one that says, enough, no more. There may be immorality. 
There may even be just a slothfulness about the way that you approach your attendance at church. You may be late regularly, meeting with the God of the universe. You may nonchalantly get here. You need to confess that before God. You may have a tendency to lie. God, change my lying tongue. You may just have a negative attitude, or you might be physically abusive, or there may be pornography or rebellion or abuse. You may have been abused, and, and there's just, you're, you know, you need help, and you need to just confess that. You may, you may think, I cannot go on living. I'm going to take my life. Deal with the God of the universe, the Almighty, the Redeemer, the Protector, the Provider, the Healer, the, right, the Reconciler. But let the body help you as well. Don't do this alone. Do not do this alone. He, he, he created us for community. And there are people here who can help you. I promise you. You may need to, you may need to ask for some, have some courage to, to, to raise your hand, but there are people who can help you and want to help you. He says this in, in Psalm 81, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Egyptians are wandering and wandering and wandering. Uh, Israelites are wandering and wandering and wandering for years and years. I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Physically I'll fill it with food. I will metaphorically fill. I will fill your life with that which you need if you ask. Let's go back to prayer. I'm going to ask you to lift that or those things that we just talked about. I'm going to ask you to lift those things before the Lord, and I'm going to pray God's word, God's sovereign word, over the things of your life. Most of them will apply, some of them won't. Let's pray again. Father, all authority and all power has been given to you. Nothing takes you by surprise. You do all things for your glory. I pray that you would conform us to the likeness of your will. By the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we ask that you, O Holy One, would do a mighty work. We believe that your word says that nothing can separate us from you. That your word says that if you are for us, who can be against us? That your word says that your loving kindness never ceases and that you will supply all of our needs. And you know the very hairs on our head. And so, God, the things that are represented in this room, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would renew, that you would strengthen, that you would be the shield in the strong tower, and that in our weakness, your perfection might be shown. Your word says, Father, that to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. Amen. Given a taste of what it's like to do business with God and to regularly do business with God, I want to close with a story and a challenge real briefly. In, uh, in uh, London, I want to get the story right. In London, um, there were five young college students, and they wanted to hear Spurgeon Charles Haddon Spurgeon speak. And so they go to the church where he was speaking, and they were outside the door before the church service started, wanting to be, be sure to get there on time. And all of a sudden, an elderly man approached them and said, hey, how are you guys doing? And he said, fine, we're here. We want to hear Spurgeon preach. 
They said, oh, great, well, church is in about an hour or so. Do you want to come and see our boiler room? And the guys are like, it's July. You know, no, we don't want to go see our boiler room. Here's the uh, recounting. I can't find the recounting. Here's what, uh, here's what happened. The gentleman takes these five college students down a hall, opens a room, and inside the room, the gentleman says, this is what we call our heating plant. There were 700 people praying for the service that was about to happen. The gentleman closed the door, walked down the hall, introduced himself as Charles Spurgeon to the guys and said, uh, that's where the power comes from. Men and women of God, I wonder what kind of power we might have if we had a heating plant with 700 people. Hmm? I wonder what kind of power we might have if we had a heating plant with 70. There are men and women in this body right now who very much want to and are positioned to say, let's take this community for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Let's take it to the next level. We are, we are standing on a, on a strong foundation. There is someone in your life who right now, if you think about it, is going to hell. Someone that you know is going to hell. I challenge you, this year, put yourself in a position to pray them into the kingdom. Put yourself in a position to talk with them about eternal matters. Put yourself in a position to go on record that this year I'm going to present the gospel to them and see if, in fact, we can't see a harvest at Christ Church. We've got 1,200 people who walk through these doors. What if, what if we just had a 25% success ratio and 250, 300 people came to the Lord? Huh? Wouldn't that be a good thing? Yeah. We're going to transition into our uh, time of communion a little bit late.